Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 34 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee-kai our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Richard Kirkham of Kirkham Movie A Day and the Shepherd of the Lambcast. Welcome back, Richard. Hey, why does this keep happening to us? <laughs> Roger, we're on it. <laughs> glad to be here, Rob. And I'm I'm glad to have you here. That's uh, you know, I I've been enjoying myself all week. Hopefully, you have too. Yes. So minute thirty-four begins with a panicked pilot uh, calling for assistance, and ends with Trudeau briefing the staff. So basically, you know, we we ended things yesterday with um. You know, the, the, the lights going out on the runway. Uh, we won't go back and have the same conversation we did yesterday about, uh, you know, the order of how the lights should have gone out and the reactions and stuff like that. But uh, we'll, we'll just take it at face value that 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 happened. You know, and that's it. We don't we don't need to to, to go beyond that. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this minute is basically all about uh, tech jargon being exchanged by people in the tower. And, uh, you know, explaining the operations that's going on with the planes that are in the air and the actions of what they're getting ready to do when, when they're landing. And so it's, it involves a lot of uh, technology and uh, jargon uh, to get us yeah, through the process. That's right. There's, there's a lot of, uh, of jargon here, for sure. Yeah. You know, as we, far as I'm have... concerned, progress peaked with the frozen pizza. So all this technology is beyond me. <laughs> Hey, that's pretty good. Pretty good that you remember that line. <laughs> and that's a line from a long time ago. That was that was the, the first first week or even the second week. So it was pretty good. I'm I'm very impressed, Richard. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So yeah, we, we hear a panicked pilot over the radio say, Dulles, what's going on? I'm on approach. Maintain position. Repeat. What's going on down there? Roger, we're on it. We're unable right now. Delay, Fuji, 604, execute, publish, missed approach procedure and hold. TWA-23, unable to clear you for approach at this time. Climb to and maintain 10,000. So, I, I mean, again, I like the way that they're that they're showing us how uh, grave the situation is. Well, it's easy for a lay you know, person to get overwhelmed by all the techno talk and jargon. So by putting it all in here, we get a sense of the panic that's going on. Correct. And then, you know, we, besides getting the tech talk, they also show us all of the different, uh, you know, radar systems and right. stuff like that, you know, which we're, we're not supposed to understand what's going on anyway. But we just hear, you know, and, and the, the, the camera goes from, uh, you know, position to position, showing us all the different things. It's, it's to give us the idea that, okay, something big is going on here. We gotta figure this one out, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, I, I mean, I like the fact that they mentioned a missed uh, approach procedure. You know, so I, I actually even looked that up. <laughs> that it basically means that there there's a standard procedure that if you know that you can't make a landing, you you need to do something. You know, and every uh, plane has its own. Uh, procedure of, of what they're supposed to do if they if they're not able to land on the particular site that they've they've reached 
and stuff like that. Like they're supposed to, you know, uh, go to a certain altitude and, and then, uh, you know, where, what type of instructions they have for, for holding and things like that. Part of the training for pilots from what I, what I've read is that you, you have to keep practicing this thing known as missed approach. You know, they, they want people to, to, to know how, how to deal with something in this type of emergency situation. Yeah, and not to not to minimize what the pilots do. I know the technology on the planes is really good, and they, you know, I don't want to quote the, you know, Patron from airport too much, but uh, you know, these, you can, you can. They they can pretty much fly themselves, but the the places where the pilots are most essential are takeoff and landing. That's right. Well, I mean, you can you can talk about Patron, but I mean that was 53 years ago that that he was saying that you know the the planes can pretty much uh you know fly by themselves so think about how much the technology changed for the better over the last 53 years you know and and you can multiply that by by you know how much you the pilot doesn't need to know what to do we we at least hope it's that way uh yeah we, we definitely do we'll have to get patron and to, to check it out you know because there's just things as, as problems anymore they just call them patrons right <laughs> Like I said, it, it's nice that we get to see all the graphics uh, that that all of these controllers are dealing with. And John's looking around a little, uh, I guess, scared. And behind him, you see like these monitors. Uh, it, it looks like they're coming up from the ground, but they're they're actually being pulled up from from above. And uh, I mean, that looks really cool the way that that uh, that's done. And then we 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 get uh, Barnes who says, I've checked all systems, it ain't happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it look like? And, he, you know, he turns to one of the other guys and he goes, approach control, it's gone. Jesus, instrument landing system is down. Confirmed, ILS is dead. Every goddamn system is dead. And in Mac, monitors are down. Attention all controllers, attention. We have a code red alert. So you see they've gone from yellow to red. So, I mean, this is a pretty pivotal minute the way that they uh do this but and in the middle you know um first of all he says i've checked all systems they ain't happening meaning what what's not happening he's not able to, to nothing's coming on again. nothing you know it's not just uh, flipping the switch i can't fix it okay maybe we'll find out later in this uh later this week in the beginning of next week that they haven't completely taken everything away from them so it's strange that 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 you know, they can't do anything here. You know, that's the strange thing. And then we, we get a shot of the church right in the middle, and we see two men. You know, one of them's got a chainsaw, and one of them's got an axe. And they basically are going and splicing into uh, some sort of cables under underground. And a lot of sparks, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things go- flying around and stuff like that. So I, I actually decided to look up chainsaws. Okay, because it 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 uh, it got me curious. So, like, what do you think the when do you think someone first created the idea of a chainsaw? Oh, that you know what? That's got to be in the uh, 1800s, so sometime in the 19th century, because I'm sure that the logging community figured out right away that uh, two guys yanking back and forth on a, a handsaw is going to take a long time to get down those trees. Okay, well, you are you are correct and incorrect at the same time because I mean, at, using it in the timber industry started uh, around 1830. 
but it was used for surgery before that. Okay, the the idea of a chainsaw was originally developed for surgery. Okay, they were, where they would use it to, to to have to cut off limbs. You know, they they had a uh, fine serrated link chain held between two wooden handles, and that was uh, pioneered the 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 late 1700s by two Scottish doc- doctors, uh, James Aitken and James Jeffrey, and they they would use it for. Uh, for cutting off uh, diseased bones, and uh, you know, Aitken put out a a medical uh, journal in eight, in 1785, and it was mo- they mostly used this this new form of chainsaw for a pelviotomy. So I I don't really know what that really means. It sounds sounds a little strange that you just cut someone's pelvis off. Like how can they survive? Do you have any idea about that, Richard? None. I've it, never heard of that. Sounds- yeah, it sounds very strange. Right. Probably so apparently, it's referring to removing the leg at the pelvis. Maybe. That would probably make more sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, the, the idea was thought of by Jeffrey that he wanted it to be, you know, like the chains of, of a watch. You know, that it would work that way. And they would use it to, to you know, to, to deal with uh, disease joints, sometimes the knees and the elbows. And, you know, using a chainsaw would allow a smaller wound and protect the adjacent muscles, nerves, and veins. Throughout most of the 19th century, it was uh, used as a surgical uh, instrument. And then in 1894, someone created what's known as the uh, Giggly or Jiggly uh, Twisted Wire Saw, which was uh, cheaper to manufacture. And uh, it was a gave a much quicker and narrower cut without uh, having to deal with the, the the fear of anything breaking or getting stuck in the bone. In the 1830s, they 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 decided to start making something a little different, which had, you know, the the links of a chain carrying small cutting teeth, with the edges set at an angle, which is similar to the to the type of type of chainsaw that we're familiar with nowadays. And so it was originally used to cut bone. Someone saw that that they could actually use this for for something else, <laughs> and they decided, as you mentioned. Uh, to start getting rid of, start cutting down trees with it, and then they they started creating portable chainsaws because at first they were they were quite large, and you needed to have two people to to to, to work it in order to to cut through a tree because they were you know they were cutting down uh, big redwoods and stuff like that with it. So the first portable chainsaw was developed in 1918 by a Canadian mill worker or mill owner named James Shand. And actually let his rights lapse, and therefore a lot of people uh, used his idea and built on it. They developed an electric chainsaw in 1926 and a gasoline-powered chainsaw in 1929. I mean, these were mostly German companies, and during World War II, America had a lot of problems, obviously, getting stuff from Germany. So in America, they started producing their own. And it got to the point where they were making chainsaws that were so big and heavy that they had to have wheels in order to, to move them around. But uh, because of World War II, they, 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 there were a lot of improvements in uh, aluminum, and they were able to lighten them, you know, reach the point where you could have one person, you know, carrying it at a time. And they, they ended up starting to use them for home and garden use and things like that. There are military engineer units that are trained to use the chainsaws, so are firefighters. In order to, you know, when they're dealing with fires in, in woods and stuff like that. So, Richard, how many... Uh, chainsaw chainsaws do I have? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're in Texas. You don't have chainsaws. You don't need chainsaws. Uh, you know, yes, there, there, there are other there's weapons. Plenty of, there's plenty of stuff here to cut down. 
I'm aware of that, but there there are better weapons that people can use in Texas, right? <laughs> Um, how many annual chainsaw related injuries are there in the US? Oh, I'm sure that there are a lot. Uh, my uh, late wife had two very solid rules on home improvement. Uh, I was not allowed to operate anything related to the electrical system, and I was not allowed to use a chainsaw while standing on a ladder. So I'm sure that the world is full of people who have done something stupid with a chainsaw. There's, I would say probably several thousand. 36,000 cases on average every year. Yep. yep. And the, the medical cost is somewhere around the $350 million per year. Okay. Most of these are lacerations that are located on the left hand for obvious reasons. Because <laughs> people are, you know, the most people who are righties will be holding part of the chainsaw with the right hand. And if something slips, it's going to hit their left, right? Um, sometimes you will have right hand and finger amputations, uh, but that usually happens to someone standing next to the person using the chainsaw. Uh, sometimes you have burns, fractures, things like that. Um, this article that I, that I found mentions the fact that, uh, you know, even if you think that your lacerations are fine, you probably should go to a medical facility because there's a lot of dust and wood and chips and other debris that might get in there and and uh, will, could cause an infection if it's not uh, you know cleaned properly and things like that. Um, most people though are are injured or even killed by chainsaws due to kickback. Yeah. Okay, have you ever used Have you ever used a chainsaw? Oh yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. I used it regularly back in California. I had a bigger piece of property and a lot more trees that I had to cut back. Here, uh, I have I've used the chainsaw. Recently, we had uh, bad weather back in February. A um, lot of branches down. I mean, a lot. And I had to get out the chainsaw and cut everything down up to size so that you could put it out for the uh, collections, the uh, trash collections. Because they, well, they have a limited on, on how long something could be to pick it up. Right. That's true. I'm, I'm glad you did it safely and that you still have all, all 10 fingers and toes. I believe I do. Yes, they're all there. <laughs> okay, good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, so most chainsaw injuries uh, rarely lead to death. But when it does happen, it usually happens because of someone who's, uh, you know, improperly using the, you know, the chainsaw or not wearing proper uh, safety garments. Sometimes people are, are killed because they don't move away from the falling tree that they're trying to cut down. You know, people get caught in between wood chips and electrocution from power lines. You know, th those are the those are most of the chainsaw related deaths. Um, how many people of the thirty six thousand? How many people are, uh, on average, do you think, uh, you know, are, are killed by chainsaws annually? Yeah, that's probably in the low hundreds. 250 approximately. Yeah, there you um, go. And most of them are due to kickbacks. It's funny, it actually makes it sound like bribes, but no, that's not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, then we, we have the, 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 the axe that they use to cut one of the things also. Uh, obviously, axes have been around for a very long time. You, know, you can go all the way back to the uh, you know the Stone Age and stuff like that. Uh, it's usually used to shape shift and cut wood, or to harvest timber, or as a weapon. 
and sometimes it can be used in ceremonial uh, you know capacities also there are a lot of different you know versions of axes and things like that but usually it, it consists of an axe head with a handle which is also known as a haft or a helv i actually i i mentioned this last season or maybe it was even two seasons ago that i actually went axe throwing last summer and it, it was actually a lot of fun you know in an hour uh, at, at a range where you can throw axes and yeah. you know i was there with with my with one of my sons and and my nephew and you know you get to play all these different games like uh you know tic-tac-toe and things like that so yeah i haven't done it my daughter's done that though yeah yeah it was it was an interesting experience let's put it that way <laughs> i mean I, I, it's not something i would do they, they had like leagues they had like signs up that they have leagues you know that people oh, yeah. can you know can go there like bowling leagues you know you go every week every every sunday night come and throw uh axes and you know i don't know that that doesn't really appeal if you much can have to fishing me. competitions i guess you can have axe throwing competitions yeah but uh, i think the fishing competitions take a little longer <laughs> probably i still yeah, don't understand slightly, slightly it, but... don't know <laughs> right um and you know pretty much you know, right at the end of this minute. So Trudeau then walks over, puts on the headphones, uh, puts on the he- uh, headphones, and then he, he starts talking and he goes, attention all controllers, attention. We have a code red alert. Every, and that gets cut off. You know, he has nothing else to say this minute. He's going to have to, you know, hold his breath till tomorrow and come back in 24 <laughs> hours and continue saying what he wants to say. Even though well, we have other things to talk about rather than what he finishes with, so... We're good. Yeah, that's right. Now, over the next 24 hours or or just, uh, you know, over the next few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, funny that beforehand, you know, when Barnes said it was a yellow alert, so he just picked up the, you know, the microphone and did it. He didn't have to have the whole headset. Making announcements in the schools and stuff like that, you know, they pick up the, the, the microphone and you push the button on the bottom and then you can talk into it to make announcements yeah. and stuff like that. You know, here you just use a, a headset, which also does not look very comfortable. I think in the 33 years since this movie came out, they've uh, developed and invented uh, headphones that are a little more comfortable, uh, at least looking, than what the, what he has here. Yeah, I'm back to the frozen pizza. I'm at the peak of my technological advancement. There you go. Okay. <laughs> that, that is fair. That is fair. You have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? No. Nope. Okay. So once again, the script... Doesn't have that much difference, but there's a few things. So when Barnes says, I checked all systems, it ain't happening. It says, <laughs> and now God help us all react to another alarm. <laughs> and then it says, uh, back to the Virginia church, a cable yanked from the ground gets cut sparkling all over the place. And then it says, glowing fiber optic cables stretched like a sacrifice on a block axe blade swoops down sparks the light dies and then we have someone scream jesus instrument landing system is down that's the only differences they have from the the you know from the final cut of what they do here so every thursday we have a a segment called aviation thursday where my guest will give their top five uh, airplane or aircraft or airport or aviation movies. So, uh, Richard, why don't you give us your, your top five? You start number five and work your way up. Well, number five is Snakes on a Plane, which we devoted a movie of the month to uh, three or four years ago 
I was um, on that. It was. It's a great show, and it's a fun movie. Lots of fun. Yes, yes it was. And it's you know I I love a title that tells you exactly what it's all about. Uh, number I, four I, and is that's, and that's why that's why Samuel L. Jackson was in it. He said when I hear just the, the name of the the movie, I just wanted to yep. be in it. Yep, there you are. Uh, number four is basically uh, similar to you know Die Hard on a Plane, only it's Die Hard on Air Force One, Air Force One. You know, Harrison right. Ford and Gary Oldman and uh, a whole bunch of other well-known actors play out a terrorist uh, scenario on uh, the president's plane. Mm-hmm. Number three is based on a real-life incident uh, with a real-life hero, Sully, uh, which tells the story of the uh, plane that made an emergency landing in New York on the river uh, after running into a flock of birds uh, during takeoff. And the pilot just did exactly what he's supposed to do, well-trained, but he was you know, cool under pressure. And all of the people on the plane survived. It was uh, you know, a miracle on the Hudson, I think they called it. Yeah. I actually rewatched that movie a few months ago. I liked it better the second time than I did the first time. Tom Hanks is is, is okay there, but I just like the way that they did the the movie, you know, with flashbacks moving forward and backwards and right. stuff like that. You know, not 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 it, that the fact that it wasn't done uh, chronologically uh, helped actually. You know, to make it yeah, a little well, more I think it makes a little dispensable. bit more sense to tell the story that way when, you know, it's a short story if you just do it chronologically. <laughs> no, but the, the whole idea is, is the investigation. That's, yes, exactly. You know, the main part of the movie is the investigation. Right. So. Uh, number two is a movie from this year, Plane, with uh, Gerard Butler. Uh, is a pilot of a plane that uh, goes down in the uh, South Pacific uh, in a in – a, near a Philippine island that's controlled by uh, the equivalent of a terrorist group. And uh, I, I really liked this movie. I enjoyed the hell of it. It was, you know, an action film that worked on all cylinders. Um, if you haven't seen Plane this year, you should see it. But don't do it when you're getting on a plane because it will not make you comfortable. Very unpleasant <laughs> uh, sequence when uh, people are not in their seatbelts and... Uh, you see what happens, and you'll always want to wear your seatbelt as a consequence. Well, maybe then that is a good reason to watch it while you're in flight. <laughs> and then uh, number one is Airplane from 1980, the comedy from the Zucker Abraham Zucker uh, group, uh, which is you know takes a, a movie called Zero Hour and puts it into a comedy format and uh, has a lot of fun with it and. It's it's funny today, even though some of the things seem a little anachronistic. I I'm sure that there are going to be people out there who are offended by something in the movie. But you know what? That's one of the reasons that the movie's funny is because it's offensive to a lot of people. Uh, but yes. I can't understand why anybody wouldn't love to see Airplane and laugh a little bit. I completely agree with you. I I, I actually rewatched that also recently. You keep picking all these movies that I just rewatched. So, there you yeah, go. So was, you, you don't have to go back and catch up on it. You've already done so. That's right. I I was laughing the entire time. You know, it's it's like Blazing Saddles. You know, you can't understand. I can't understand why people just, you know, th- yes, there are things that are somewhat offensive, but because it's there for comedy, it's to show that how stupid it is, you know, to act this way. You know, that that's the thing. And people don't get that. 
you know, people don't realize that that's what they're trying to show with these things. So airplanes. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get into it too much because uh, the <laughs> no world need, is no full need. of people who would take umbrage at the fact that I'm even talking about it. Correct. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that then. That's fine. Yeah. I speak jive. <laughs> that's right. Well, you and Barbara Billingsley. So why not? There you go. You know, great. So Richard, why don't you tell people once again how they can find Richard Kirkham? Uh, I'm easily discoverable online at uh, Kirkham A Movie A Day, which is my personal site. I have two places where you can find the content that I put up there. One is a Blogspot site. One is a WordPress site. The content is basically the same. There's just a little bit of difference in maneuverability on them. So Kirkham A Movie A Day, uh, you Google that, you'll find one of the two sites, and there's plenty there for people to read about. I'm also on uh, the Lambcast. I'm the host of the Lambcast, which is the weekly podcast of the Large Association of Movie Blogs, and you can find us at largeassmovieblogs.com. All right. And finding me once again is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. You can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Twitter. So, Richard, you feel like coming back again tomorrow and finishing off the week with us? What the hell? It's Christmas. Let's do it. <laughs> but now the word of this leaves this room. All right. All right. <laughs> so until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay, everybody. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and